Welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith. This podcast features edited highlights from our Sunday service held on January 22nd, 2023. To find out how to join us and for more general information, please go to www.stjamesleith.org.uk. God of light and love, in this very moment, the star still beckons. Gather us and let the star call us in new ways of healing and hope, restoration and renewal, as we discover again Christ's call to discipleship. Amen. Would you please stand for our first song? of all nations, revealed to us by the wise men, forgive us when we feel fear of the other. Lord, have mercy. Forgive us when we do not make the effort to journey to the end, but give up disheartened. Christ, have mercy. Forgive us when we do not lay our gifts down, but want to keep them to ourselves. Lord, have mercy. Gloria, Gloria, Gloria.
prophetic, I'm sure. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> now we know. <laughs> Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? One thing I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire into his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. lifted up above my enemies all around me and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy I will sing and make melody to the Lord hear O Lord when I cry aloud be gracious to me and answer me reading is from Isaiah chapter 9. But there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. In the former time, 
he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness on them, light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. The Gospel today is from Matthew chapter 4 and verses 12 to 23. Glory to Christ our Saviour. Now when, John heard, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. 
Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. This is the gospel, good news for all. Praise to you, Let us pray. Loving God, help us to see that another world is possible and help us to take time to be quiet, to slow down so that we can hear and feel her breathing and desire to be part of it. Amen. So as uh, Judah said at the beginning of the service, I'm going to carry on uh, with the idea of uh, looking at the prophets, the prof- prophetic call. Our passage is about the calling of the first disciples, but um, this week uh, is, has actually, this week past has been Martin Luther King week. Uh, last Monday uh, uh, was the anniversary of his uh, death, so I think it's uh, important um, that we do look at uh, uh, prophecy, and I'm going to refer to a lot to uh, Richard Raw's uh, current meditations uh, for the Centre of Action and Contemplation. I know a number of you received that, but they're, they're, he's really very, very good um, at that, uh, and he's got a number of people in uh, inputting, and um, they're, they're very powerful. So if you get an opportunity, to, uh, they're free. You can um, get them daily. Uh, uh, do so. Raw has a very succinct definition uh, of a prophet as somebody who names a situation truthfully and sets it in its largest uh, context. So I'll say that again, I think we've got there. A prophet names a situation truthfully and sets it in its largest context. And I would add an extra bit to that to say, and they also imagine a new alternative. So three things that I want to kind of unpack. That they set things in the largest context, that they tell things truthfully, and they imagine or reimagine what the world could be and would be like. So let's just look at the the big picture uh, that we're starting. We've got that... uh, uh, Quote from Jesus, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because I think that's Jesus' way of uh, talking about the big picture. So Raw uses the expression, uh, this big picture, um, it's what I think Judas used it last week. And it is a prophetic call that encourages us to live within this bigger picture. Because most of us, And most of the time, I think, we live out of our small pictures, where we're wrapped up in our own immediate needs and circumstances. And what the prophet does is to call us to lift our eyes, to look at and beyond the horizon. And as I said, Jesus does this by making his central teaching about the kingdom, the queendom of God. His overarching mission, or big picture, was to bring the kingdom, queendom of God into this world. I think Jeffrey, in a, uh, a previous reflection, talked about yanking heaven down on earth, bringing the values of love 
and peace and justice and service into our world. And we regularly pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I think, again, we should add a line to that, thy kingdom come, my kingdom go. As we often busy building up our little kingdoms, holding on to control, power, other really ways of garnering a sense of self-worth and enhancing our egos. And the prophet says, just leave that behind. This is much more important. And Martin Luther King put this beautifully when he said, an individual has not started living until he can rise above the narrow confines of his or her individualistic concerns to the broader concerns of humanity. Lots of ways of putting that. St. Paul says, no longer me, but Christ living in me. Thomas Merton, uh, the mystic, calls it living out of the true rather than the uh, false self. So when we're able to catch a glimpse of this big picture, it is truly liberating. Those little niggles that seem less significant, the letting go of control seems less threatening, and the fear less, uh, lessens so that barriers come down. We become less tribal and realize that God can be experienced everywhere in other denominations, in other faiths, in all the world, in nature itself. And Jesus, in our reading, calls, invites Simon and Peter away from their small worlds into the big picture with this wonderful line, follow me and I will make you fishes of men. And in response, they immediately leave their nets and follow him. So the big picture must be incredibly attractive for them because they are willing to leave everything, willing to leave their security, their livelihood. And then James and his brother John follow suit, also leaving their nets to follow Jesus as he goes throughout Galilee, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, curing every sickness, every disease among the people. So in this beautifully framed story of the calling of the first disciples, we have four fishermen drawn into the big picture of the kingdom of God. And the question is, are we open to responding to whatever the big picture is for us as individuals and the community? The picture that provides a purpose and the foundation for all that we do. What is our role, to use biblical language, in bringing forth the kingdom and queendom of God, in bringing forth life, healing, and justice to those that we encounter. And I'm going to quote Danielle uh, in a book, recent book that I've just read, inspiring book called Remarkable Leadership, names this as profound service, profound service, finding where we are called to serve and to do it deeply. And when we follow this call to profound service, it is likely to lead us to the edges, away from our comfort zone, whether that's geographically, whether it's psychologically or spiritually. And notice in our reading, Jesus leaves Nazareth, a predominantly Jewish area, 
and makes his home in Capernaum by the sea in a territory called Zebulun and, and Naphtali in Galilee, a land full of Gentiles. So the prophet helps us to see and encourages us to see the big picture. And part of me wonders whether the big picture really should be looking at how we respond to our environment. But I leave that, leave that with you. There are other big pictures as well. But I wonder if uh, now uh, the time that that might be the big picture that we need to consider and look at or certainly be part of it. So uh, Richard Raw says, a prof prophet is somebody who names a situation truthfully and sets it in its largest context. So let's look at the idea of truth-telling. And then you have that wonderful quote from Martin Luther King. I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word in reality. That is why, temporarily defeated, it is stronger than evil triumphant. What a hopeful, hopeful sentence that is in our world where there is so much falsehood. So truth-telling is central to the prophetic call to ourselves, to others, and to those in power. Firstly, we need to be truthful to and about ourselves. And again, I refer to the uh, contemplation and action meditations. Uh, Dr. Lewis in one of them says, and I read, truth-telling is revolutionary. It's part of fierce love. I love that expression. And Danielle, in her book, calls it ruthless compassion. Fierce love, ruthless compassion. And truth makes a personal, spiritual, ethical, and moral demand upon us. It hurts sometimes, and it's inconvenient. But it is essential to our well-being. It cleanses our spiritual palate and restores our soul. Truth lubricates relationships and liberates us from bondage. It builds trust and connection. It is the beginning of authentic living and joy. Truth eludes us at times, and we have to pursue it. Truth invites us to be honest about who we are, about our flawed but beautiful, broken but healing selves. Truth leads to reconciliation and peace. Without truth, there is no peace. And in the light of truth, we are able to honor our journey and love ourselves. And if you take one thing away from this talk, it is to love yourselves fiercely. You are, you are too wonderful not to be truthful and kind to yourselves, not to live out of your authentic selves, the self that God created you to be. Because if you learn to love yourselves fiercely, the next thing will follow as night follows day. You will learn to love others fiercely. And from my experience, truth-telling is a hard road to travel and needs great wisdom, especially where personal relationships are concerned. And how and when we say it, and if we say it, um, is as important as what we say. And the first question, I think, to ask ourselves is what is our motive uh, behind truth-telling? 
and it should be to liberate, to set energy free, so that things can move forward when we're stuck and have the potential to deepen trust and authenticity in a relationship. And I say potential because we have no control on how the other party might respond. And therefore, it's risky, and it does take great courage and vulnerability. And I think we often need help uh, in having those difficult truth-telling conversations. And maybe we need to seek support, even do a run-through with a, a trusted other on how we might say something that is both truthful and compassionate, both fierce and loving, both ruthless and compassionate. And personally, in, in my experience, I, I will always try and have those uh, conversations, but I often so soften the truth part because I'm concerned about the feelings of the other, and if I'm honest, concerned about my discomfort, that I, that I often, the person doesn't receive the truth. So my challenge is to be fierce as well as compassionate. I, also, I do know people that, uh, who can be very fierce and leave the compassionate bit out, <laughs> but it's getting the two coming together. So truth-telling is a spiritual discipline that requires practice, but I think each time we do it, uh, our truth-telling muscle will grow and develop and become better. But the prophetic call calls us to go even further. It calls us to speak truth to power, something that is difficult and often costly. And I believe the parable of the talents really has nothing to do with using our gifts well, but is a warning about the cost of going against the system and speaking truth to power. But that's a reflection for another time. The prophetic voice is about, as Judas said uh, last week at the beginning of the service, disrupting uh, business as usual. And again, from my own experience in many different uh, um, contexts, truth-telling will create some form of turbulence, particularly if you go beneath and beyond symptoms and you qu question the syst systemic causes. That's when it gets difficult. Wagons are circled, false narratives created, the question are isolated, especially by those who have vested interests in keeping the system as it is. And Richard Raw says again, prophets will evoke a crisis, which is why they are labeled troublemakers. A crisis where one did not appear to exist before their truth-telling, because while everybody else is saying the emperor is beautifully closed, they are willing to say no the emperor has no clothes. And many of you will have experienced this in places you have worked or even places where you have worshipped, when you have disrupted business as usual. And perhaps the biggest frustration, if and when you've had the courage to speak truth, is that your colleagues, even if they agree with you in the corridors or uh, um, in a meeting, go quiet. There's been many a meeting where I might have said something and someone comes up to me afterwards and says, oh, thank you for saying that. Well, you could have said it in the meeting. <laughs> um, and as Martin Luther King so succinctly said again, the ultimate tragedy is not the oppression and cruelty by bad people, but the silence over that by good people. 
And I think the church on the whole often concentrates on alleviating systems of injustice, valiantly trying to mop up the mess with its food banks, warm rooms, caring cafes, all really important, please don't get me wrong. In effect, throwing a rubber ring to help drowning people in floodwaters. And prophets require us to do that uh, because it, that is important. We must help those that uh, are in difficult times. But prophets ask us to go upstream and ask why the flooding is occurring in the first place. Prophets question and challenge the structural violence and injustice inherent in systems. They help us to take away the veil from our eyes so that we can see what is truly going on. So the next part is imagining a new future. As I said, uh, Prophet doesn't just deconstruct and break down systemic injustice and violence. They all have an exciting vision for the future and point of doing things. They bring hope and energy, inspiring people to be part of a transforming movement, a movement to usher in a fairer, kinder, more just world. They reimagine and evoke this new future with wonderful language, stories full of symbolism, imagery, and metaphor. And Walter Brueggemann, on, in his fantastic book, The Prophetic Imagination, says, Imagination is, a dangerous, is dangerous to power. Thus, every totalitarian, me, totalitarian regime is frightened of the artist. It is the vocation of the prophet to keep alive the ministry of imagination, to keep on conjuring and proposing alternative futures to the single one the king wants to urge as the only thinkable one. And I think I, I talked in a previous reflection about the prophetic remnant and a new word would be the creative minority. Artists are always dangerous. Uh, um, Aaron Dutty Roy has had a number of her writings banned um, for her activism, activism and challenging the Indian Prime Minister uh, Modi. So true prophets remind us and they give us the big picture. They truth tell about the root causes challenging injustice and the causes of it, and they evoke a new uh, future using symbolism and metaphor. And I wonder who you think are the prophets of today, because I really believe that we need to recognize who the prophets are in our society. And they come in all sorts of places, um, all sorts of uh, places that you wouldn't expect. And I think we need to be, look at those things. Are they giving us a big picture? Are they truth-telling? Are they reimagining a future that is better? And I just want to quickly just give three <coughs> examples of uh, some modern-day prophets, just so that we can bring prophecy out of the Bible, which is a key, but actually bring it into our modern context. And I'll start with Martin Luther King uh, here. And, and look at the metaphor, the language, and, and it, that he's doing these three things. So a couple of quotes, one uh, on the screen uh, and another. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Big picture. 
We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. What a metaphor, a single garment of de destiny. Uh, we did a contemplative service in my last church uh, for Martin Luther King Day, and we couldn't think of, we wanted a central image, and that was it, single garment of uh, destiny. And we got a tailor's dummy, and we dressed it, and we put all the things that we wanted for the future. A beautiful image and a beautiful metaphor. Whatever affects one directly affects us all indirectly. And then he says, now is the time to rise from the dark and desolate way, uh, valley of segregation, again metaphor, valley looking at the uh, deconstructing what's there, to the sunlit path of racial justice, looking for the future. Now is the time to lift our nation from the quicksands of racial injustice to the solid rock of brotherhood and sisterhood. Now is the time to make justice a reality for all God's people. And then he goes on, I have a dream, I have a dream. So Martin Luther King does all those things, the big picture, truth-telling about the root causes of injustice and evoking a new uh, future. And then uh, Aaron Dutty Roy, again, author of Good Things. She wrote this during uh, the lockdown and uh, her, she's a, does a lot of um, uh, environmental activism, which, as I said, maybe that's the big picture that we should be looking at. Aaron Dotty Roy says, um, historically, pandemics have forced humans to break with the past and imagine their world anew. This one is no different. It is a portal, a gateway between one world and the next. We can choose to walk through it, dragging the carcasses of our prejudice and hatred, our avarice, our data banks and dead ideas, our dead rivers and smoky skies behind us. Or we can walk through lightly with little luggage, ready to imagine another world, and more importantly, be ready to fight for it. And she goes on and says, COVID-19 struck hard in the richest, most powerful nations of the world, bringing the engine of capitalism to a juddering halt. Temporarily, perhaps, but at least long enough for us to examine its parts, make an assessment, and decide whether we want to help fix it or look for a better engine. So she's really looking at the systemic causes of the issue. And the last person is uh, Edward Snowden, probably has less metaphors being a, a technical chap, but no, no doubt a prophet in my mind. Um, looking, and he look, really worked for the CIA, if you don't know, and whistleblew about the extent of governments of surveillance on worldwide citizens. And he's now in Russia and uh, living, not allowed to go back to, well, he, if he went back to America, he would be tried um, and uh, put in life imprisonment or even the death penalty for, for treason. And he says, every person remembers some moment in their lives where they witnessed some injustice, big or small, and looked away because the consequences of intervening seem too intimidating. But there is a limit to the amount of incivility and inequality and inhumanity that each individual can tolerate. And I have crossed that line. And I am no longer alone. In the end, governments are not afraid of whistleblowers like me. 
I am imprisoned, stateless and powerless. No, it is afraid of an informed, angry public demanding its constitutional rights, and it should be. So three examples of prophets, and as I said, I think we need to really hear and learn and discern who the prophets in our society are and follow in their footsteps. And in conclusion, uh, this came up this morning on the meditation from uh, uh, um, uh, Richard Raw's uh, Action and Contemplation, which I thought was very good, which is the idea of Jesus ultimately calling all of us to be prophets and mystics, bringing together the contemplative and the action. And that's where I feel the church can really play its part. Any idea that one could be a prophet calling for justice and social change without some experience of union with God was unthinkable. Equally unthinkable uh, was any idea that one could be perfectly good mystic without becoming critically outspoken about the injustices of the time. Anyone who wishes to take Jesus seriously would have to be prepared to become a prophet and a mystic. And in the history of Israel before Jesus, prophets were rare individuals. And Jesus' aim was to open up the spirit of prophecy to everyone so that we too can all become courageous and speak out like prophets. Amen. As we come to our prayers, at the end of each prayer, I'll be saying, uh, your kingdom come, and if you could respond by saying, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Let us uh, pray for ourselves. May we be those who speak the truth in love to ourselves and to others around us. May this Yesu, this Isa, this Satguruji dwell within our hearts who is the truth who is full of grace and full of truth and by his spirit may his spirit flow in and through us that spirit of truth may he strengthen each and every one of us with courage to speak that truth for those who have no voice at times, those on the margins of our society, where we see things which are not right, which is false, to be able to speak those truths in love. Help us to be those who build bridges and not barriers 
bridges of love and truth and respect with each other and with ourselves. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Let us pray for our communities. Let us pray for the dignity of the individual and for each community that is here in Edinburgh from different parts of the world. Let us pray that God will raise up prophets and that St. James's will be a prophetic community that will stand against any form of racism. For racism breaks the very heart of God. May we have his heart. He's called us to be in relationship with one another, with those around us, people who are different from different places, from different cultures. May our hearts be open and be bold enough to find the riches of inclusion and the treasures of diversity among us. May we see this Yesu, this Isa, this Christ in others. Your kingdom come. Let us continue to pray. Let us pray for the church. Let us give thanks to God for the church worldwide and here in Edinburgh and in Scotland. The church in all its messiness, that within it, and through it, it will, be a it will be a channel of change and transformation in this world. That it will recognize that it has the power that is beyond this world of an age that is to come. For the kingdoms of this world will pass away but the kingdom of God is eternal and his truths are eternal. We pray that God will help the church to be that prophetic voice in this world. To speak where it needs to. To stand where it needs to stand. To have that compassion to weep with those who weep and to rejoice with those who rejoice. May it be given great wisdom and boldness to speak the truth in love. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Amen. Again, as always, everyone is welcome uh, to come to the table.
Lord, accept our people's gifts, not gold, frankincense, or myrrh, but hearts and voices raised in praise of Jesus Christ, our light and our salvation. Yours, Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the splendor, and the majesty. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. All things come from you, and of your own we give you. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right thanks and grace. Worship and praise belong to you, God, our Maker. Out of nothing you called all worlds into being, and still you draw the universe to its fulfillment. Day and night celebrate your glory till time shall be no more. And in Christ, your only begotten Son, you have revealed yourself to the world by the leading of a star. You made him known to the nations as the Son of David and the King of Israel that in following him we might be led from darkness into his marvellous light. As children of your redeeming purpose, who celebrate the epiphany of your Son, we offer you our praise with angels and archangels and the whole company of heaven, singing the hymn of your unending glory. thanksgiving be to you, most loving Father. In Jesus, the Messiah, you have come to us. Our hope is built on him in whom you are well pleased. Having been shown to the world as your beloved Son, he proclaimed the good news of your kingdom. The blind received their sight, the lame walked, the lepers were cleansed, and the captives set free. At his word, water became wine, the hungry were filled with bread, and the dead were raised. And before he was given up to suffering and death, desiring to complete the work for which he came into the world, at supper with his disciples, he took bread and offered you thanks. He broke the bread and gave it to them, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, it is broken for you. And after supper, he took the cup of wine, he offered you thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant. It is poured out for you, for all that sins may be forgiven. Do this in remembrance of me. In the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory be to you, Lord of all ages, 
world without end. Living bread is broken for the life of the world. Broken things for broken people. Holy things for holy people.
loving God, we thank you that you love us fiercely. We pray that you would give us the grace to love ourselves fiercely, to love one another fiercely, and to love our world fiercely. Amen.